Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are reviewing a book called Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua Fuller. The Art and Science of Remembering Everything. It's all about memory. So he does a he's a journalist, did a whole bunch of different stories and studies on memory and he actually went through the, the memory championships. But we, we want to just focus on, you know, the human memory and a few tactics and techniques to uh, learn to remember more shit. Yeah, well, mate, it's absolutely huge. If you can remember a whole lot of bunch of stuff, it's a real pain in the ass when you're someone like myself and you forget everything. You know, you're just walking inside and, oh, where to put my keys or you remember you forget people's names and, you know, if you can really master this skill, the utility it can give you life, I think it's absolutely massive. He says we're sort of coming to the end of remembering because, you know, we get in the car, we use Google Maps or, you know, we're using the GPS. So, you don't have to remember the way to go or you don't need to remember facts anymore because you can just Google it and you don't need to remember people's phone numbers because it's just stored in your phone. So, really, he's saying that we don't really need to remember a lot of stuff anymore and as a, as a result, our memories are getting worse but there's still certainly benefits to having a, a good memory. Absolutely. So, our memory is getting worse because of our reliance on technology and externalizing all the things that we would have had to remember in the past. And he kind of graphs it or he pulls from a different study where they actually graphed something called the curve of forgetting. And basically, it's the idea of from the moment you grasp a new piece of information, your memories hold onto it, begins to loosen. So, if you think of a graph, at the very start, you obviously know it and you've got a certain amount of retention and it kind of has this diminishing return, goes down. So, after the first 20 minutes, 60% of the information you receive is retained. After an hour, 40% retained. A week, there's only 15% retained. One month, 10% retained. And as it approaches, you know, the year, basically, we forget everything that really comes into our lives. Yeah, exactly, man. And it's sort of like, you know, sometimes it's a name that you forget very quickly. Sometimes it's important facts that you remember until the test and then you forget it. But the general rule is that over time, you forget more and more and more until you pretty much have forgotten everything. So, today in this episode, we're going to learn, first of all, how to remember names uh, with tactic one. Another tactic is how to remember very long numbers. Another tactic we'll learn is the memory palace. So, with that, you can remember like pretty much anything like your presentation, shopping lists, all that kind of stuff. A major system. So, a, a strategy to remember really any number in the world, you know, whether it be mobile phone numbers or you're trying to impress people at a party, which is a huge number or something. And then also a, a strategy to be able to remember, memorize a whole entire deck of cards as if it was like, say, um, pulled card by card by card and you'd be able to repeat the whole deck of cards. So we're going to be remembering or learning how to do some pretty cool shit in this episode. Definitely, man. Before we get stuck into the tactics, we'll talk about the, the brain itself. So the brain, it's this three-pound mass on the top of our spines. It's made up of about 100 billion neurons, um, which all connect to five to 10,000 different other neurons. And the brain, although it's relatively small, it's only 2% of our body's mass, it's extremely costly in that it uses 20% of all our oxygen that we breathe in, and it also uses a quarter of all the glucose that we burn for energy. So even though it's relatively small, it uses a hell of a lot of energy to power. And it's pretty interesting how we actually remember things, right? So, and the way the whole neurons kind of interact with each other to form memories, if you think of something like the word coffee, so when you think of the word coffee, you think of the, uh, the color black, which also might make you think about breakfast and then the taste of bitterness. So, all these links up to form the word and the memory 
coffee. So it's a big function cascade of electrical impulses rocket, rocketing around a physical pathway to form the memory. Now, if you think about the context of when a memory goes missing, so say if a name goes, you know, it's on the tip of the tongue and you can't quite get there, it becomes really frustrating and futile. So, for example, you know, there might be a girl you've met a little while ago and then she comes over to you and you're trying to remember her name and you start thinking, oh, her name begins with a, a an owl, she's a painter and you're still grasping and I met her at the party a couple of years ago until one of those memories really comes up really close to what her actual name was and you're like, ding, you know, her name was Lisa. So, got it, mate. our brain, we want to connect as many neural pathways um, kind of like to whatever the memory try- we're trying to form uh, in future and that's going to be one of the themes and in implicit in all the strategies that we're going to be able to go through. Yeah, definitely. The I guess it's it's both a, a positive and a negative, but like this, because there are so many non-linear relationships and, and, and associations that we're bringing in all the different senses and different images and different memories that there's no real clear indexing where you can't like file your brain um, specifically how you want it. So it's sort of like all these random associations that unless you practice or use one of these techniques and you're doing like what you just did at the party where you're trying to remember different stories and different events to try and remember that person's name rather than there's no clear filing system in the brain, unfortunately. Yeah. And the good news is for everybody, the brain is mutable. So he brings in this this idea of neuroplasticity, um, you know, which isn't new to a, a concept that comes up in a lot of the books we read. But it's good news because everything is learnable, especially the five tactics we're going through now. Technically, anyone listening right now, you could memorize a whole deck of cards. You can remember a thousand names or whatever because Josh Foer, he took this experiment. He was just an average Joe Blow and he learned these techniques and ended up becoming the US Memory Championship. Yeah. So, we can within follow one year. it within one year. So, it's just tactics. There's no built-in kind of... A skill that you genetically come up with. It's just a bit of hard work in, uh, in, in learning these skills. Yeah. So, that was a, as a really quick backstory to Josh is that he was a, a journalist and he covered the 2005 um, Memory World Championships and he saw dudes remembering like 2,000 random digits in a row and he's like, how are they doing this when I just I forget where my keys are and I forget that I left food cooking in the oven? And he went from nothing to the US Memory World Champion in a single year. And the cha- one of the dudes called Ben said, you know, it's, it's all about technique. It's about understanding how the memory works and anyone could do it. You know, everyone's got average memories, but if you use some simple techniques, um, you, be, you can have an extraordinary, you know, an extraordinary memory. And one of the problems with this is, say if you've ever come across someone with an extraordinary memory, like someone who poses as a magician at a bar who can just, you know, memorize a pack of cards, after learning these tactics, you're going to learn that all these things are just a really cheap little trick that Mm. anyone can do. It's just that no one really goes out there to try and uh, learn these skills. As you say, it is a skill and it is learnable. So let's get stuck in. As we've said, we've we've got five tactics that we've pulled out of the book. So the first one we want to talk about is remembering names. And this is vital because like things like, you know, how to win friends and influence people. One of the principles was that remember a person's name because to that person, it's the sweetest and most important sound in any language. And that people love it if you can remember their name and use their name. Uh, and if you forget their name, obviously the opposite happens and that it's a, it's very embarrassing for you and for them if you forget their name. Yeah, and the whole reason we usually don't remember people's names unfortunately, is we're always thinking about what we're going to be saying next. So, mm. someone says, um, you know, hi, my name's Sue. 
or something or other, and then you know it just goes whoosh, just straight past your head, yeah. just because you're thinking what you're going to say next, and it's easier said than done to not do that because I've been trying to remember my, remember names as a goal this whole entire year, and I've really struggled with it. <laughs> unfortunately, Man, I, I think it's it could be because we don't like that awkwardness of. If we don't know, we don't want to not have anything to say and have that awkward second there between them telling you the name and then you trying to think of what to say. So, we're always trying to think of what to say rather than taking that half a second to listen and remember their name. All right. So, we'll get into it. So, the whole concept here is if you're ever trying to remember anything, we need to really use a different area of the brain. So, we need to really tap into kind of the visual part of the brain. So, the way to remember any name is you need to create a vivid image in your mind that anchors your whole visual part of your memory of the person's face to a visual memory connected to the person's name. So, anything else that you know of that is somewhat visual, link it to the person's name. And he kicks it off with his, uh, an example of using his own name. So, the author's name is Josh Foer. So, as we said that, you know, a, a name is, a, a, I guess, a, a string of random letters. But if you make it something visual and vivid, something you can remember. So, one of the memory champs said, oh, you know, Josh... Foa. So, I think Josh, you know, when when we first met, we were joshing around, like we were joking around, we were joshing around and like Foa is like four. So, you were joshing around and you made me laugh so hard that I split into four pieces. So, that's how he remembers Josh Foa. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it is absolutely ridiculous. But one thing's for sure, it is memorable. Yeah. So, the more bizarre and weird and whatever and later in the book, it goes in, you know, we've evolved to, to think about sex and fear. So, if you can... Yeah. um wrap it around something that's memorable and even to do sexual or in terms of fear, you're much likely to remember it. Unfortunately, when it's always something to do with sex, since I've been trying to use these tactics, there's some dirty images that start flowing through your mind, but you remember their names. (laughs) Be careful, that's for sure. Yeah, as you say, so something novel, something different, something memorable is something sexual or something um, physical, something violent, something scary. They're all things that make this vivid... Um, visual image more memorable, that's for sure. So, there's a really, really, really cool research study that kind of analyzed this this phenomena and what they call it is the Baker-Baker paradox. <laughs> so, one is that... So, two groups of people were shown an image and one image said, oh, this guy's name is Glenn Baker. His surname is Baker. And the other group said, this guy is Glenn and he is a baker. And the when they tested them days later and they said, what, what was this... Per, like, tell me about this person. The group that were told his name, his surname is Baker, none of them remembered, but the people who thought he is a baker by his profession remembered. And that's because, you know, he's a baker. So they remembered fresh bread and the smell and the warmth of this nice, warm, soft, fresh bread that this baker's been cooking. Exactly. So, yeah, the profession baker, it's, it's really embedded into a whole network of ideas, like you just said of what it means to be a baker and baking bread and the smell of bread and all these other associations. Whereas the name baker, on the other hand, is just only tethered to the memory of the person's face. So, mm. it doesn't really get embedded anywhere. So, it's much easier loss. Even though it's the exact same word, baker and baker, when you associate it with the profession, you're going to remember it almost every time. Yeah, I like it. So, that's sort of our that tactic there of remembering names. So, if you can link it to this network of you know, vivid, visual, memorable images, it's much more likely than just trying to repeat the name over and over um, of, you know, Josh, 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 and trying to remember Josh when you meet him in three months' time. Exactly. So, this is it. This is the whole secret to remembering names right here. 
It is you need to find a way to turn your bakers into bakers, <laughs> fours into fours, and Reagans into Reagans. So <laughs> Reagan being, you know, the US president of whatever whatever kind of year. You know, if you remember a Ray gun of someone shooting something, you're never going to forget that compared to Reagan. So, it's a very simple trick, but it's very highly effective. I and, mate, I, just, I, met, I met someone last week just pulling into my personal yeah, life and good. her name was Dorena, a name I'd always forget if oh, I just yeah. thought of a Dorena, just like it's too hard, just that word associated with their name. Mm-hmm. Mate, quite easy to think of the word door. Mm-hmm. So, whenever I see her, I think of a door and it's Dorena. Never forget, yeah. and I'm confident I'm never going to forget her name. Adore Inner. And Is another one be- on the same night, I remembered a, I met someone called Peter, and mm-hmm. he kind of reminded me of this, you know, the 50-year-old who never let go of his childhood, still immature. So, straight away, I thought, you know, this person's reminds me of Peter Pan. So, I yeah. just thought of Peter Pan, this old dude with like tight green um, disgusting kind of wear and then because it was so visual I'm never going to forget his name is Peter either <laughs> I like it mate so that was uh, remembering names the next one we want to talk about is a, is a technique called uh, chunking and the reason we want to use chunking is that our thoughts are really limited to seven things at a time so our, our working memory is really only has seven slots or they call it this, the magic number seven plus or minus two so you've got somewhere between five and nine slots where your working memory can remember things on the go before it transitions to your long-term memory. And so, obviously, like if a phone number is 10 digits long, that's beyond your seven-slot limit. So, you need to, you know, that's what we sort of do intuitively is we break down our long phone numbers into chunks. So, rather than 10 um, numbers, we might think of a group of four and then a group of three and then a group of three. So, it's only three chunks that we have to remember then. Yeah, so... The more effective we can chunk things into smaller chunks, we can add other chunks to it and all of a sudden remember a whole lot of whole lot of stuff. Now, if you think of the string of letters in the words I'm about to say, so heads, shoulders, knees, toes, if you think that about as just a whole bunch of letters like H-E-A-D-S-S and so forth, it's going to be impossible to really remember um, all those letters in one string. But in reality, you remember them only as, we- as words, heads, shoulders, knees and toes. You can really recall all, all of these letters individually because they're really mm. chunked down into words. Now, if you go even a step further than that, if you think of it as a nursery rhyme, heads, shoulders, knees and toes, then <laughs> you've really chunked it down into one thing. You've chunked yeah. it down to one nursery rhyme, which is chunked down to a bunch of words, yeah. which is chunked down to a bunch of letters. So, you know, something very complex and at the moment, you've got 22 letters chunk down into one thing so you're never going to forget those 22 letters yeah that's it man so the one the i guess the the wrong way or the normal way to go about it is what he calls the phonological loop and that's essentially just the voice in our head that we talk to ourselves so if we were trying to remember uh, as you said say h-e-a-d-s-s-h-o-u-l if we we're trying to remember that without this chunking technique we'd be trying to loop that in our head but what he says is once that phonological loop stops, we've pretty much got a matter of seconds before we forget it from our working memory. So when we stop looping over and over and over, we're going to forget it within a couple of seconds, which is why we need to chunk it down to much smaller, um, a fewer amount of chunks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a whole different ways uh, you can do this in examples. Um, and he's got another example here of of one two zero seven four one zero nine one one zero one. Never going to remember that, are you? No. 
but, very very hard to remember that because that's 12 digits that's so beyond our working memory of uh, seven slots there yeah mm. but in two chunks you got two dates there 12th mm. of the 7th 41 and 09 of the, of the 11th 01 yeah and then all of a sudden it's impossible to forget because you've chunked it down into one thing yeah. and these are the the two biggest surprise attacks on american soil pearl harbor and september 11 so rather than having 12 digits we've now just got two chunks of dates and he says if you're you know overly well versed with you know american history it could be even one chunk of the two biggest attacks exactly that's so that's another good tactic and the third tactic we're about to jump into is probably the most popularized and the most effective to learning the most complex things and that is yep. the memory palace yeah it's definitely the most like for these memory champions it's a it's a must have but i think for the everyday joe blow it's it's not the easiest and most simple that's for sure but what they're what they're saying is that what you have is a, a visual representation of something you're really familiar with and then using that as, I guess, the home base for all your memories. So an example might be when you walk home each day and you remember the exact path you take. So you, you walk past the letterbox and you open the front door, you turn left, you put your bag down next to the piano and then you turn right, go to the kitchen, grab a glass of water. Uh, just completely made that one up on the fly. But that's So now you've got like Hold six on. different areas there. Um, I don't know if I can even remember it now, but so you got like your mailbox, <laughs> you got your front door, you got your bag, you got the piano, and then you got the kitchen and a glass of water. So there's six things that you know very, very comfortably. That's something you don't need to work to remember. But then what you do is you assign the memories to each of those areas yes, as you go. Exactly. And you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. So, you know, you just mentioned six. One of them was the piano. Mm-hmm. And on the piano, you might go all right, the black keys on the piano and then the white key and then every and you can go into pretty much infinite amount of detail into all these things and then you can assign uh, something you want to remember to each. So then later, when you walk back through this thing, you can really see everything you're trying to drop in this memory palace as you went. So the tactic we're actually doing is here is converting something unmemorable like a string of numbers, like a deck of cards, shopping lists or your presentation and turning it into like really engrossing visual images. So again, it's this idea that our brain remembers, the visual part of the brain is much more effective at recalling things. So that's what we want to turn it into and then mentally arrange these visual images in this palace as you walk through the uh, walk through the little house that you just said. So a practical example might be, say you've got a shopping list and one way to remember the shopping list is the phonological loop of just repeating it over and over and over. But that's that's a very inefficient, ineffective way to do it. So instead, you might have a shopping list. You might have six things. So you need to get pickles, cottage cheese, tomato sauce, bottles of wine, pasta, and razor blades. So rather than trying to remember those six shopping things, you put those six things in your six slots of your memory palace. So the first one, as we walk past the mailbox, rather than seeing a mailbox when we... Uh, try to get a letter out, we realize it's a big jar of pickles and rather than getting a letter out of the mailbox, we get a pull a pickle out of the pickle jar. Yeah, and the pickle's three years old and it stinks <laughs> and it's, you know, got maggots. It's just like get it as bizarre and kind of associating to as many different senses as possible. So it kind of in your brain, there's a lot of neural associations with it as mm. we were saying earlier. And that's the thing is that because we know this memory palace, we know the route that we walk home every day, we don't need to work hard to remember the mailbox, but we know that when we walk home, mentally, like in our mind, we're imagining walking home and instead of a mailbox, we've got these disgusting, dirty old pickles there instead. 
So the next one might be so putting cottage cheese so all over the door. So when you put your key in and it's just this oozing cottage cheese um, over your hand. So rather than the door, you see the cottage cheese. And then when you put your bag down, the tomato sauce explodes out of the bag. And then when you go play the piano, you realize that all the keys aren't keys anymore. They're actually bottles of wine. So you remember the wine. And then to go to the kitchen, you, you're stepping on crushed pasta as you go towards, you get a, a glass of water. And instead of a, the glass of water, you try to drink and, and razor blades go down your throat. So that's your six. That's your six things. Rather than you're trying to remember those six things, you know that each of the six spots along your walk home, you've got the you see the things as you go in your memory palace. Yeah, exactly. And you know there might be that was your to do list with six physical or six physical things for your grocery shopping list. Hmm. But you know there might be some other really arbitrary things and really you might think it's really hard to kind of uh, drop in your memory palace. So it might be a to do action like email Sophia. And like, what kind of image do you associate with that? Is you know, it's it's much more difficult. So, what Josh is saying is, you need to make it as memorable as possible. And one way you can do it is, you know, associate email with Sophia. So it might be a she mail sitting there writing an email, any way memorable as possible. And then also, you know, how are you going to remember Sophia? You might think of a, Sof- uh, a supermodel like Sophie Monk or something sitting on the transvestite's lap. And then all of a sudden, you got a very, uh, sorry for if this is offensive to anyone, but we're trying to go as memorable as possible. And the moral of the story is sexual is, is memorable. memorable. But that's, so that's your, your memory palace. So the thing is, once you've got a place or a, a destination or a, like a, a path that you know and memorize, then at each spot along the the your palace you put a memory something you need to remember and make it visual make it sexual perhaps uh is how you remember it so that's the the memory palace technique so it's a it's definitely an odd one but it's one that is like a it's pretty much the base level for any of these memory champs that are competing in the games that's like level one is build your memory palace yes exactly so that's a good tactic man really Mm. is Uh, another tactic is number four which he calls the major system and this is a technique of remembering numbers so each uh, letter, each number becomes a letter. So like zero is represented by S, one is represented by T or D, two is represented by N. But so each number you transform into a letter. And with those letters then, you make uh, an image out of it. So like he says that say like the number 7879. So that represents in the major system here to the letter K, the letter F, the letter K and the letter P. So rather than seven eight seven nine, you've got K F K P, and he says that using K F K P, you make a word out of the a, a word which becomes an image. So K F K P, he says you could make a coffee cup. So rather than then try and remember seven eight seven nine, you change that into a coffee cup. And again, you can make it very visual. You can think of the smell and the taste of the coffee. And then rather than trying to remember the number seven eight seven nine. You just need to remember a coffee cup and you instantly know coffee cup KFKP 7879. Yes, yeah, so that's another one of the common themes is making it visual and it kind of is borrowing a few of the things from tactic number two, which is kind of chunking. So mm. here we had four digits, we've chunked it into a coffee cup. Coffee cup's much more visual and then you can remember that four digits if you got a pin number or something like that. Um, again, you know, there might just be some upfront effort of just associating all of these letters with a sound. Yeah. So, you know, 
in this example, 2 being N, 3 being M, 4 being R, and so forth. But once you've done that, you've got that in your brain set up. Whenever you get four numbers, put the letters together, and then whatever this kind of sounds like, associate a visual memory. So when you need to remember this number, you can go back to the coffee cup, and then from the coffee cup, you go, oh, okay, KFKP, mm-hmm. um, 7879, remember the number, bang. Nice. Man, I just saw you glance on the notes there. Um, rather than remembering it, but, but nobody else knew. <laughs> Mate, I haven't, set up, I haven't set up my nine, no, fair my, my nine digit uh, system yet. So, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, again, so the memory palace requires a bit of upfront work, but it's something you sort of know. The major system, you're going to need that upfront work of converting each digit to a letter and remembering that. Um, and tactic five is the PAO system, which requires a lot of upfront work. But um, can extremely, make it a lot easier. Extremely powerful once you've done this work, right? I gotta say, it's probably not something that everyone's gonna use. But if you want to go and compete the memory champs, it's a lock. <laughs> yes, or if you want to really impress people at a party, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of these things. If you've learned it once, it might take fifty hours of work. But once you yeah. got it, it's a pretty cool skill. Yeah. So the way we do it, right? So every two nim- two digit number between. 1 and 100, you need to associate a person performing an action with an object which needs to be memorized. So, it's called the person action object system. Yeah. And a few few examples might be, it can be whatever you want and it's personal to you, but it could be things things that you remember. So, like 34 might be Frank Sinatra singing into a microphone. So, that's Frank Sinatra person singing is the action Microphone is the object. So, it's three things associated to every number between uh, 1 and 100. Yeah. 19 might be Superman flying with his cape. Number 71 might be David Beckham kicking a soccer ball. So, you've got for every number between 00 up to 99, so 100 different people, 100 different actions, and 100 different objects. And now, where this comes into play is then, say, the number 341971. So, that's rather than trying to remember 341971, you've got 341971. Now, the PAO system, so you take the person from 34, you take the action from 19, and you take the object from 71. So, you get Frank Sinatra flying with a soccer ball. Or if the number was 197134, you'd have Superman kicking a microphone. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? So, once you've done that upfront work from 099, you just basically did three digits. So, with this system right there, you can remember any number between, you know, with what, six from zero digits? Zero to what? Zero to Oh, zero to a million, really, 999,000. And where this goes next level as well, uh, for the obviously this is memory champ level, is that they would have like a hundred in their memory palace, they'd have a hundred things, like where they walk through, and then at each step from zero, 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 one, zero, two along their memory palace, that's where they put, you know, David Beckham kicking a soccer ball in number 70, the 71st destination of their memory palace. So, that's how they link this all together with the PAO with the memory palace to remember the images and then using those images into six-digit numbers, yeah. So, what, earlier, <laughs> earlier, for example, when we had your memory palace, we had six different objects. The memory yeah. palace can go well beyond that. So, yeah. let's say your example, six objects. We just remembered six digits, so every object in the memory palace has six. So, all of a sudden, with the framework we've just laid, you can rem- remember a 36-digit number, yes. which is what? I don't know. That's a big number. <laughs> a 36-digit number. You're never going to have to remember that, Yeah. but you know, that's how they do it. It's just a silly trick that yeah. these people can do. 
that anyone listening can learn themselves. Yeah. Another application. So, one of the big memory tests is you got to memorize a, a random deck of cards. And I think Josh actually broke the record like a minute 40 or something. And, you know, then the next level is you have to like memorize 10 random decks of cards in an hour and stuff like that. But so, what they do to memorize cards, it's it brings together all of these things. It brings together a bit of chunking, a bit of the memory palace, a bit of the PAO system. So, rather than trying to remember 52 images um, or 52 cards, what you do is you assign each card a number. So, it might be the ace of spades is 01, the two of spades is 02, so on. So, each card gets a number. And then when you see those with your 52 PAO system, person, action, objects, you then take groups of three cards and associate to each one. So, that it sounds a little confusing, but so each card gets a number. Each number has a person, action, and object like we did before. And then each group of three cards then becomes a person, action, and object. So, rather than remembering 52 cards, you're down to 18 images of the person, action, object. So, basically in the book, we've got a whole bunch of different tactics. A lot of them... You know, if you're not going to go to the World Memory Championships, they're not really applicable to your everyday life. Some of them, I think, definitely are. Oh, definitely. I think the big takeaway for me was whenever you're trying to make something or remember something, quite simply, you need to make it more memorable. And the way to do that is to make it more visual and associate it with many other parts of the brain, mm. neuro associations as possible. As we said earlier, turn the baker's simple name with five letters into... Mm. Bakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a big takeaway, man. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you're going to remember, num- remember names, you're going to remember numbers and so forth. So, that's the big one. The other ones, uh, yeah, memory championships only. Yeah. I think it is important to, even though in a world of more and more technology where we're outsourcing our memory, I think it still is important to have a good memory and it still is important to have a couple of tricks up your sleeve to remember things better, especially people's names. I think that's a massive one that um, really helps and can really hurt if you don't remember people's names. Overall, man, the book's pretty long. A lot of stories in there, um, which I didn't love. Uh, but some of the some of the gold in there was good stuff. Yeah, so just as a caveat, if people listening right now think it sounds like a really, really good book... It's probably not. It, it's not a good book. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not. It's, uh, we, we, we kind of butchered the whole book around to... To just get this stuff to, out. Just to put it in this kind of format. So... He's got a really interesting story. His publisher obviously, um, you know, wanted this book to be a big seller. So, he had to flesh it out to what, just over 200 pages or whatever. A bit more even, man. A bit more even than that. So, there's a lot of just crappy, just talk about nothing in it. And he needs <laughs> to do a lot of gold mining to get the get the gold. Yeah. But if you like reading stories, maybe you like this. I know one of my mates gave it a five out of five on Goodreads. But I said, what the hell? But um, he reckons it was a winner. But personally, I wasn't a fan. Yep. So, great takeaways. Not the best book. <laughs>